the conceptual framework for the Sustainable Development Goals and the UN Decade of Ocean Science, a lot of that input comes from the business community because the business community has woken up to how important uh, the ocean is regardless of what sector you're in. Welcome to a special episode of the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast as we mark World Oceans Day and World Oceans Week for 2020. You just heard Esri Chief Scientist and Oceanographer Don Wright reference the emerging worldwide awakening in the business world to the critical role the ocean plays in sustaining not just life, but our social and economic well-being. The United Nations Sustainable Development Goal number 14 focuses on our collective mission to preserve and protect the ocean, which is fundamental to the daily operations of the planet. Here, SVCMO Mariana Cantor lead this conversation on why, if we're to have a prosperous future, we should care deeply about the ocean. Dawn, hi, and welcome to the podcast, Esri and the Science Aware. Thank you, Mariana. I am so excited to, to be here. So I'm looking forward to talking with you about conservation and sustainability. But of course, I'd like to start with your perspective as a scientist on this unprecedented COVID-19 pandemic? Well, there, there's a lot. I worry about this double pandemic that's going on right now where African-Americans, Latinos, and other people of color are suffering disproportionately. And uh, as an African-American, I, I think very much uh, about this and statistics like in Chicago where African-Americans make up only 30% of the population, but 72% of the COVID-19 deaths are in their community. Same thing in in Louisiana, seven out of 10 patients who are killed by COVID-19 in Louisiana are African-American and and so forth. So this is indeed concerning. And the reasons for that are access to care, uh, healthcare, access to resources, access to information. What are some of the, what is the understanding that we need all to have around this double pandemic? Yes, uh, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head with so much of it. It's the, it's the poverty, which is tied to the lack of access to health care. So many African-Americans have pre-existing diseases such as diabetes and asthma and heart disease and lung disease. Uh, there is also an environmental part of this, which many communities of color, uh, African-American, Latino, uh, the Native American communities, and this is a problem that GIS has tried to solve for many, many years, which is that of environmental racism, where these communities are in close proximity to landfills and to toxic waste sites. So it, it is even easier for them uh, to get sick because of where they are living. And there's also the right. need to get healthy food, the medical services and supplies, the jobs into these communities. Yes, and of course, problems are exacerbated when crisis hits in almost every case. Yes. And Yes. This is what we're observing now. I want to talk about a subject that's a passion for you, the deep ocean. You're a world-renowned expert and an explorer uh, from surface to seafloor. So how is the ocean, its health, its condition important pretty much to human existence? You'll have to stop me if I, if I won't uh, stop talking here, but I think it would be helpful just for 
for listeners to hear a few statistics about the oceans, and there are many organizations, the, the United Nations being chief uh, among them, uh, but there's also a, a broad panel of leaders of state. So Canada, many countries in Europe, uh, East Asia, and so on, including some of our top scientists in the United States, uh, they're called the high-level panel, and it's a high-level panel for a sustainable economy. And I think they have put together some of the best messaging about why we should care about the oceans and why it's important for, for business as well. So many people know that the oceans cover about 71% of the surface of the planet. So we are essentially a water planet, that is for sure. But a lot of people still don't realize that regardless of where they live, they have the oceans to thank for the oxygen that they breathe because due to processes that take place on the surface of the ocean, that generates about 50% of the oxygen that we breathe globally. The ocean is also home to the largest biosphere on the planet. So that essentially means that it's home to 50 to 80% of all life on Earth. And there's still much more that we need to explore. That's that's at our current understanding uh, of the ocean. And we have way, way, way more to explore there. A big climate change story that's associated with the ocean is that the global ocean absorbs about 25% of all of the carbon dioxide emissions, and it captures about 90% of the additional heat generated from those emissions. So the oceans are really our buffer against the harmful impacts of climate change. They're buying time for us. The oceans are on the front lines uh, of climate change from that standpoint, and they're starting to, to pay the price now because we're seeing, because of warming, uh, in the in the oceans, there are more of these severe storms. Uh, the the oceans are becoming more acidic, so that's damaging to coral reefs and other marine ecosystems. It's causing uh, fish stocks to decline or to shift to places that are very very bad for for these fish. So uh, the oceans are really a foundation for the life. Uh, on this planet and for a healthy planet. Don, that was fascinating on the statistics around the ocean and the role it plays sustaining life, essentially. Can we turn to business and get some perspective on how ocean impacts business? A lot of what we need for, for business or for our life comes from the ocean. And one of the biggest examples is the internet. We have the internet really because of submarine cables that are routed across all of the world's major oceans. And that's bringing us Netflix, it's bringing us everything. Shipping is also critically important, especially for supply chains. Shipping and the operations at ports are absolutely critical. And then there's the protein that many of us rely on from fisheries. And now it's coming to the four uh, aquaculture uh, operations. That's all uh, really important. So one of the one of the narratives that is coming forth from all of this is that we we definitely need to uh, pay attention to the oceans. They are not too big to fail, so to speak. They are not out of sight, out of mind. 
they are broken, but they but the oceans are not too big to fix. We can turn the tide just as we are doing with climate change uh, writ large. So because we know that the ocean is central to our health and our prosperity and our well-being, we can also uh, think of the oceans as a powerful source of solutions, not just a victim of climate change, but a, a powerful source of solutions to climate change. And, and some of those solutions are energy-based because of renewable energy that we can get from wind and waves and tidal uh, energy uh, on, the, on the oceans. We can be more efficient with uh, the shipping, so we can work on energy-efficient ports and the supply chains there. And we're doing better with the with the fisheries and the, and the uh, aquaculture monitoring. Another thing that's very interesting is that, of course, the the oceans. And I should stop saying oceans really and say the ocean because it's really one ocean. And we've actually come out with a new projected coordinate system. Uh, based on the work of Athelton Spielhouse, who was a famous meteorologist and oceanographer who produced uh, several decades ago a map showing one ocean, the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Indian, uh, the Antarctic, everything connected as one body of water. And it's absolutely a compelling map. And it's also part of the messaging that the United Nations is making about the ocean particularly as we move next year into the United Nations Decade of Ocean Science for Sustainable Development. The ocean is already Sustainable Development Goal 14, but there will be this whole decade of science that is promoting how we can save the planet through the ocean. And the interesting thing about that is that the conceptual framework for the Sustainable Development Goals and the UN Decade of Ocean Science, a lot of that input comes from the business community because the business community has woken up to how important uh, the ocean is regardless of what sector you're in. As a clear advocate for the health of our ecosystem in general and the ocean in particular, do you feel we're doing enough uh, to invest in its protection and conservation? Absolutely not. Uh, only about 5% of the ocean exists as marine protected areas. We are trying to get that up to at least uh, 20%. And of course, we, we lack protection on land as well. But the ocean still needs to be protected. It still needs to be managed more effectively. And this is part of what the United Nations and uh, the high-level panel for a sustainable ocean economy. In fact, it's very interesting that they talk about a sustainable ocean economy. That's what they're doing. And, that, and again, that's made up of, of many uh, countries. There are partners that we work with at ESRI, such as Conservation International and the Nature Conservancy and Nature Serve, and Sylvia Earle's Mission Blue, uh, the Half Earth Initiative of E.O. Wilson, where, where he wants to save half of the Earth's species, and many of those species are in the ocean. So there, there's a lot more that we can do. Part of the problem that we have struggled against is people's uh, misunderstanding 
uh, of the ocean and in terms of mapping the ocean. So this is again is where Esri comes in. We have really only mapped about 15% of the entire ocean. How in the world can you get ahead of a problem if you don't even know what it is that you are fully dealing with? This is staggering, of course. The ocean is so vast. How do you actually map the bottom of the ocean? And how deep is the the deepest deep? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is part of why we have better maps of other planets than of our own planet, because we have the moon completely mapped in terms of its topography, Mars, even Venus. And that's because sensors with electromagnetic energy using a light, essentially light energy, are able to see through atmosphere, see through space, and able to receive the signals that bounce off the surface of those planets and give us a return, uh, which eventually gives us what the uh, the elevation is uh, of those planets. It's incredibly hard to do that for Earth because Earth is covered by water, mostly by water. And the same signals that come from these satellites will not make it all the way through the depths of the ocean to give us what the characteristics are of the water. They can't see through the water. And they certainly can't see through the water to get a signal all the way down to the seafloor, which will then bounce back uh, to a sensor. So we, we map the ocean floor, for instance, by sending a signal that does make it all the way through the water, and that's sound. So we're using the same principle that whales and dolphins and other uh, marine mammals use to communicate with, with each other. Sound in the ocean is able to clearly travel through the through the water much more efficiently. So we essentially bounce sound waves off of the uh, bottom of the ocean and we time the amount of time that it takes for that sound pulse to go down to the seafloor and back, back to the sensor. And that travel time is converted to a distance, which is depth. And we have to understand how sound it is slightly disrupted by the salinity and the temperature of the water. And we can make those adjustments so that we can essentially do enough of these soundings to where we have a pretty good idea of where the mountains and the valleys and the flat areas of the ocean are. And there's a new initiative called uh, Seabed 2030, whose mission it is to to complete that mapping of the ocean at a fairly detailed level, uh, to complete that by 2030. And uh, we are very, very much involved in that. You've been involved in this work for many years. What has surprised you the most about the sea floor? Well, it, it is incredibly dynamic on the seafloor. So the big example is that you can fit Mount Everest into the Marianas Trench, which is the deepest part of our planet. And that's, that's the, the deepest of the deep. That's about um, 10,000 meters or it's a 10k run which is about six mm -hmm. miles that's about uh as you can fit mount everest into that and there's a whole chain of of mountains you think about the rocky mountains or the sierra nevada there's a 40,000 mile chain of those uh, mountains that circles throughout the the global ocean and it's the places where the activity in terms of the 
volcanic activity and the earthquake activity, it is rocking on the ocean floor. Iceland is one of the places on Earth where the mid-ocean ridge, the underwater chain of mountains that I was telling you about that is so volcanically active, Iceland is such a, an amazing place. And you can see it's got a hot spot underneath that island that continues to fuel the volcanic eruptions and the hot springs that the people of Iceland uh, enjoy. And it's one of my my favorite places in the world. When I was in school, I was studying the cracks, the fissures and faults on the ocean floor at these very active hot springs or these very active volcanic places on the ocean floor. And to get a chance to go to Iceland to see some of the, the same processes and to be able to walk inside those those fissures and along those faults just blew my mind. Then there are other places on the ocean floor that are completely flat and very boring. It it, it it's just very very quiet, very silent there. So there there's pretty much everything that you that you want to imagine is um is on the ocean floor or is living uh, in the ocean. In fact, if you've seen Avatar, have you seen the movie Avatar, James Cameron's film? Yes, yes. That so so that world, the as the story goes, and I I know some of the the people who who have worked with him, and uh, he used a Russian submersible to go down to the ocean floor and to visit one of these highly uh, active uh, hot springs and volcanically active areas on the ocean floor, and what he saw in that in that submarine that influenced the world that he created uh, for for Avatar, just out of this Which world. Which magical, but yes, yeah, but it's really of this world. I am definitely intrigued. John, <laughs> um, <Dawn, laughs> thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Mariana. Thank you for listening to the Esri in the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Esri Chief Scientist Don Wright for helping us understand the ocean as an essential part of every aspect of modern life and society. To learn more about location intelligence and solutions for sustainability, visit esri.com.